three, two, one. To the Monday interview edition of the Dennis and Andy Show. I'm Andy. And I'm Dennis. Welcome back. And we even got the heads over the right bodies today. Woohoo! Right. I figured out how to do it. I'm a <laughs> genius, a mad genius. Well, welcome Dennis, back, I'm Andy. We, we, we missed you on Friday. So, uh, you know, welcome back. I was about to say, I'm glad to see you didn't burn down the store while I was gone. So nope, virtual studio almost, but not the store. Didn't lose any subscribers, I hope. No, gained a few. Oh, I should leave more often. I know, right? <laughs> now, did you drink a beer on Friday as usual? I did. I drank my jalapeno beer from uh, the frothy, uh, the frothy beard. So I, I did. I got my uh, jalapeno beer for them to see. So it went fine, but you know, it's just not the same without you there to. You know, to do a little ribbon. Without my bald, blistering, boisterous, buoyancy mouth. Exactly. And because you're back, we've got a fabulous guest star with us tonight. We sure do. We're going to bring them on. We've got a, to me, uh, just a a comic book legend. Uh, I've known of his work forever. Had the pleasure of meeting him and becoming friends with him. Uh, years ago, but I knew his work before we became friends. I have an original piece of his art actually hanging up on my wall. So let's bring him in. David Brohawk Williams, welcome to the show. How's it going, man? It's going. Thanks for having me. You got it. So one of the things I always like to is because it's fun meeting people for the first time. Um, I always kind of like to know on a new artist that I haven't met, what's kind of your origin story? Where where are you coming from? And uh, how did you get into comics? Uh, The origin story. Okay. I'll jump all around on this. Um, uh, I got into comics uh, early uh, in the, uh, in my, in my career, I was still in high school. Um, so around 87, 88, I was, uh, oh, wow. I, I met uh, Derek Robertson, the guy who co-created mm-hmm. Transmetropolitan and the boys and all that cool stuff that everybody is finally jocking. You know, he's getting his due, which is good. Yeah. Um, and, and he he was working on an independent comic back in the day and um, befriended him and this was up in the Bay Area. Uh, He lived uh, in San Mateo at the time and there were some conventions out there and that was some of the first, uh, probably, yeah, some of the first conventions I went to. The very first one I went to was out in LA uh, where they would have them every, every, uh, the first weekend of every month. Um, And when I met Derek, when I finally went up to the Bay Area, 
they, they, the, my horizons got expanded because the conventions that I would go to would almost exclusively have comic books. They would hardly have any guest artists and no, stuff. Sure. Only, you know, maybe some obscure ones that I didn't care about. Um, but when I went up to the Bay Area, it was almost like every comic book artist that you would care to know or love, you know, was there at that moment. And some were actually even trying to get work at that time, you know, or just uh, started their careers like the Rob Liefelds and the Eric Larson's and the Jim yeah. Lee's and all that kind of stuff were right there in the beginning. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I got to, you know, because of me doing a little bit in comic books, you know, me trying to find my own niche. Uh, I met, you know, with some, you know, amazing talents that I implemented into my own artwork, like Arthur Adams and mm -hmm. Dave Stevens, and then later Steve Rude and uh, uh, Frank Sirocco. And oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, but all of this stuff was just like a, 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 a avalanche of just creativity, just all in one place and being thrown upon me. And I just want to absorb it all. I, I personally still think I'm like a human sponge where I, I still look at other people's art and go, oh, I'm going to take this and try to oh, implement yeah. this into my art. I never wanted to fixate on one thing. And I think I, I couldn't just fixate on one thing. My attention span is like, okay, I got to get to the next thing quick. You know, <laughs> you know, I get bored with my stuff. Yeah. Um, but that said, I do admire the guys that do have a, a look, you know, like Arthur Adams and John Byrne and all, Paul Smith and all that kind of stuff where they've, they've, they've always had a look and all they did was refine it and make it better. Yeah, but I see with your work, I, 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 I totally agree with that because I'm the same way. I was always going, oh, this is cool. I want to try this technique. And this is cool. I want to try this type of rendering style. And yeah. oh, I like the way that guy does this lighting. Mm -hmm. But because I think we got into the business around the same time. I broke in in 91. Okay. And... Um, so I was doing that more through the 90s, obviously, you know, early on and then early 2000s. But now I think even looking back on it, I can see like, oh, yeah, I still do that kind of just a little bit better. Hopefully. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but I mean, I look at your work and I, I could definitely see, oh, that's Dave Williams. Well, like I said, I, it's too far away on the wall. But I have Nexus you did in Marker from... I think it's 93 or 94. You know, it's like eight and a half by 11. It's just a shot of him flying at you. But it still has that Dave Williams, Dave Williams look, you yeah. know, and even color wise. You if, know. If, if I ever come to visit you at, at your house, um, I'm going to burn that thing. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's gone. So you better hide it. <laughs> I say that to people that have my stuff. Well, yeah, I don't sell yeah. my stuff anymore. So like yeah. the people that have my stuff have it from like the first four or five years I was in the business. Because after you, that, I stopped you all, selling it. 
Are you all digital or are you drawing on paper no. still? Oh, okay. It's on paper. Okay. I just, I just keep it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand. <laughs> I, I keep my art now too. So um, I just got rid of, you know, some stuff and I'm still getting rid of some old stuff because it's old stuff to me. I'm like, what am I holding it for? But right. this, this newer stuff that I'm doing is I'm, keeping it as an investment for my family. I'm like, okay, this is your stuff. So I can't sell it. Right. You know? And so, uh, I know there's some other, you know, uh, high profile artists out there that do the same thing. It was like, they just keep it for their family. It has nothing to do with, Oh, I got to flip it now or do anything of that. I mean, honestly, that's, that's why I'm keeping it. You know, I only yeah. have, we have one kid, that's it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she'll be, she'll be 18 this year. And, you know, I look at it like this. If I last, if I last another 30 years, you know, I'm 50, 51. So if I last another 30 years and just amass, you know, it slows down as I get older, the amount, amount that I do. But if I just amass more and you figure I stopped selling the stuff back in like 96, 97. So the only stuff of mine that's out there is of pages Mm -hmm. is any inker I worked with that got their part and sold it. But other yeah. than that, I've got it. And once I once I kick it, you know, my you know, my wife and kid could be like, let's just have a bonfire in his memory, or they could call up a dealer and be like, let's see what we could do. At that sure. point, I don't care, but hopefully yeah. they'll do the latter. Yeah. And call up a dealer and they'll be able to net some, you know, net something off of the stuff. Yeah. I mean dead man Dead man art is more valuable anyway. So <laughs> that's right. I mean, Dennis comes over and he's just looking at the stuff I have on my. I, I have a few things on my wall frame. Most of the stuff is other artist work, mm -hmm. but some of the stuff is is stuff I framed from like the late '90s when I was like, "Oh, this is the best I'll ever do," and I've just never taken it out of the frame. <laughs> I know Dennis looks at it like, "How healthy are you?" And I'm like, yeah. "What? Why would yep. you ask that, Dennis?" Yeah. <laughs> I can't help it. It's all over. I'm just wondering. So, David, are, are you still old school, or or have you made the jump to digital, or are you a combo? I I don't know nothing about Photoshop. I wish I did. You know, okay. um, there's an aspect of me that wishes I could just jump into the digital thing, or you know, because there's a certain dependence on colorists and mm -hmm. sometimes and sometimes inkers and all that kind of stuff, and. You know, it's not to uh, deprive them of doing some work, you know, but for me being such a, uh, uh, I don't want to say perfectionist, but how I see it in my head, I can't always depend on them to do it exactly. Like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, my, my longtime inker and one of my closest friends, like Gary Martin, he inks mm -hmm. like Nexus and stuff like that. And yeah. he... I'd send him pencils and he'd send it back and it's gorgeous and it's like precise and stuff. But my eye goes, Oh, let me go in there and fix, you know, <laughs> oh, even, yeah. his, even his perfection. So there's, there's an aspect of me where there's a certain, because I'm going to be doing mainly my own art, I'm not going to be doing it for DC Marvel and all that kind of stuff. Right. I, I just want to have it all, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just want to have it and see it to 
the final thing my way. I almost even want to learn just so I could do my own lettering. I don't want to get another letter in there either. Sure. You know, just say, yeah, that that's a hundred percent me, you know, and it it's successful or it's a failure and it's all on me. Right. You know what I mean? Because before I used to only blame Gary. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I said, like, oh, you don't like it? Oh, it was, it was the anchor. You know? Well, oh, lettering's not too bad. I taught myself yeah. how to letter an illustrator. I'm still oh. not, but I, I still actually have somebody that I went to the Kubert school with do the lettering for me because he's just, I look at it and I go, yeah, I could do lettering, but he's been doing it for 30 years and he crushes it. Yeah. So he can do it. I do get a little more finicky when it comes to coloring, but I don't color my stuff because I'm just too damn slow. Like yeah. when I hear a colorist go, oh, even, you know, and now I know colors use flatters, but still I'll talk to like really good colorists that'll use a flatter and be like, oh, I still do three to four pages a day. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Because even <laughs> with like a single figure, no background, would take me two to three times as long as it takes one of my colorist friends. You yeah. Know? And it's just, and I know why I, I don't do it all the time. Sure. Sure. And I mean, it, 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 all of that stuff and pushing buttons and doing all this kind of stuff and shifting is nothing like, you know, holding paper and, you know, right. really getting in there and, you know, to me, or, or I could be misinformed or my, trepidation to actually get to it because I got a computer right over here, a, a secondary one where I can do that stuff. I just haven't done it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, Dennis brought up the traditional or digital and I'm a hybrid. So I draw everything on the computer and sketchbook pro, mm -hmm. but then when I ink it, I convert it to blue and print it out full size Bristol and yeah. ink everything traditionally. Cause I was like you, I like the paper. I like having the original art. And there's just things that I can't replicate inking wise on the computer that I do by hand. So. Sure. I mean, you know, and, and, that, and, I, and, and again, it goes back to, I think me just doing it on paper is an investment towards my family, you know? Right. And right. that's the main reason, you know? Oh, no, I I came across an artist who I, I came across this panel and it was one of my favorite of all time. I'm an X-Men fan. And I was like, wow, he's on top of a smoking the bandit firebird. It's Jean gray. It's like my perfect one. So Andy got me in touch with him and they said, Hey, I'm just curious, you know, are you digital? Are you that? Cause I would be interested in that. It is 43 years of collecting. And that is my favorite panel of all time. Nope. It's digital. He's Italian, and he goes, I can print you one and put a stamp on it for $750. And I went, no, 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 no. Now, if it was original and stuff, I was like, no, great panel. But, yeah, not not for a print. I'm kind of there with you. I like the originals. So you keep all of yours? Uh, for the most part, I do. But like I said, what, this old stuff, I've got gotten rid of, you know, a lot of it. Uh, but. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> those are gone. <laughs> those are gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I usually pull up if if any of our guests are, have done anything in the 
X-Men, the mutant universe, I have them. So it's always kind of fun because when he, when Andy said, oh, I've got David coming on there, I'm like, David, what's he done that I would have for sure? And then I was like, Wolverine, and then first class. And I was like, oh, I, I've got, of course, I've got the whole run of that one. So <laughs> I always bring that up there to see if you guys have fond memories of that or not. <laughs> I, I actually did. That was probably some of the funner uh, times I had with Marvel, you know, because they were just saying, hey, just go to town. And they didn't have like a, you know, a, a, a huge directive. And, you know, and I got to kind of get in my John Byrne, Michael Golden, Paul Smith mode on those, you know, so I was just yeah, like, yeah. yeah, you know, so those were those were fun, you know, awesome. and, um, you know, I, you know, it was fun. <laughs> That's what, all I can say. What was your uh, what was your first professional comic book work? Uh, it was again for professional where I actually got paid was um, on Derek Robertson's little independent book called Space Beaver. It's okay. not what you, it's not what you think it is. <laughs> no, I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it, it it was a very cool book at the time. I, I actually think he should uh, uh, do that book again, you know, and just bring it back and they'll probably make it into an animated show. But it was yeah. very much in the, in the same spirit of like Ninja Turtles, you know, talking animals, oh, yeah. you know, and all that kind of thing. And then um, not too long after that, um, I got some work at DC. And um, oh, did you do some Jaguar covers? I did or, the books. You did <laughs> the did, books. That's right. Yeah, That's yeah. right. Is that what you're talking about, or is that after? Well, I before that, I got some Who's Who, um, yeah, pinups to do from Michael Yuri, which was kind of weird the way all that came out. So, um, they were both at this show up in the Bay Area. And Dave Stevens was the one who took my portfolio over to them because I wasn't oh. there to actually show my work. I was just because I was dejected two other shows before and I was just like, I give up, you know, that kind of thing. Or I, I just didn't have I wasn't giving up. I just wasn't going to pursue DC and Marvel at that time because right. I, I kept on they kept on telling me I wasn't good enough. You know, I was too cartoony, right. you know, and uh Dave Stevens, you know, hit me to some other artists that I could implement into my art, like, you know, Steve Rude, Alex Toth, Andrew Loomis, and all that kind sure. of stuff. And so my art immediately changed. Like, it went from night and day because I was like an Arthur Adams clone or something like that, but a really bad one. And uh, so since I implemented, implemented actual good figure work, you know, with environments and all this kind of stuff and i it just like clicked overnight you know <laughs> oh, yeah. so i i had my portfolio with some of this stuff but i wasn't intending to show anyone at marvel or anybody else really you know <laughs> i was there with derek and you know some other friends and we were just kicking it and he said hey you know show me what you got now you know and he took my portfolio uh and uh Oh, but, but before he took my portfolio, he goes, hey, go show the guys over at Marvel. 
And I went over there kind of like, oh, here we go again, you know, and <laughs> I plopped down the portfolio in front of Tom DeFalco. Uh, you don't got it, kid. <laughs> it's not quite good enough. You know, it's this is wrong. This ain't blah, 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 blah. And I took it back and I was like, went back to Dave Steven. I was like, see, I said, you just want to. <laughs> You just want to embarrass me. You just want to embarrass me and stuff like that. Um, a funny thing is that uh, uh, Dave Stevens used to call me Michael Jackson. Like every oh, time, no way. Every time he saw me, because he's he said I look like a young Michael Jackson, and I was just like, yeah. all right. Um, and um, so I took he 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 opened the portfolio and looked through it he's like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about and he took it over to dc said come with me and he took took me and took it over to the dc table and he opened up the portfolio in front of michael yuri and again i think um brian augustine was there i'm pretty sure uh, and he goes dave steven goes if you don't give this kid some work i'll never work for you oh <laughs> <laughs> really? And, yeah, and so that immediately made Michael Yuri goes, "Oh no, look at it in a different way." You oh, know, yeah, and he goes, "Hey, would you like to do some pinups for Who's Who? We're just starting on the Who's Who." And I'm almost like, "What?" You know, I'm like and then you know, back then, I think I was 17, 18, just yeah. turning and there's other young people so the chatter started going from there. Oh man, this kid over there, he just got some work for DC, man. He's gonna be the next DC artist and blah, blah, blah. It came back around. And so it came back around. So Dom DeFalco heard it, right? And he came over to me at my table. He said, hey, let me look at this portfolio again. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, and then, he, then he goes, yeah, you know, maybe we could uh, get you you know, maybe we could get you a backup story. And I'm like, no, I'm working for DC now. Oh. So I'll just ever get it. I, I had so much attitude. Like I was the man. I was just, but truth be told, truth be told, as great as that was. And um, I like that, you know, that story. And if I could go back in time, I would reject myself and say, work on a creator own thing for yourself. Right. You know what I mean? And not try to get into Marvel, you know, so young because those are the people they take advantage of. Yeah. You know what I mean? And abuse yeah. and, you know, and can discard and all this kind of stuff. And they don't prep you, you know, for, you know, someone being that young. This is how you should invest your money. This is how you should do this. This is the book you should be on as a newcomer, and don't try to thrust uh, someone that young with such a heavy workload to trying to do monthly work and all this kind of sure. stuff. You you got to gradually get them up into into those things. Um, it it was a learning experience. You know, I tell all younger artists, hey, work on your own, create your own thing. Like um, Michael Alred, who created Mad yeah. Men. Yeah. I said, if you do that and you work your thing so hard and you just work it, uh, if you build it, they will come. And the fact is, is that DC and Marvel came to them instead of the opposite way. You know what I mean? And when, oh, yeah. when, 
And when they went to him, they said, hey, would you like to do our character? He said, no, I do my character with your characters. So now he's making a combo with, and he's validating his characters on the same level as theirs. And so now he just boosted up his character. You know what I mean? And that's the oh, smart yeah. that's the smart way to do any of this kind of stuff. Yeah, you no, know? I, I followed Mike's career from the very first Madman Madman stuff. I love that stuff. Yeah. You know do, do you know what uh Madman's name was before it was Madman? I feel like I did, but I don't remember. Cause I have what was it? It was the spook. <laughs> no, I did not hear that. Yeah. Somebody and, probably gave good advice to change that. No, I didn't. I, I like the idea. I said, oh, that's cool. But um, Dennis Cowan is the one that told him, no, you can't do it because he had a comic book that he was going to do called The Spook. Oh, really? You know, you know I, I didn't look at it as I knew what the racial connotation oh, yeah, was, yeah. but there was no racial connotation with Mike at all, or that character, if you look at it in context. But you know, you definitely couldn't do that stuff now where people would go, oh, no, no, no. how dare you have a character named a spook, you know? <laughs> oh, no, no, you couldn't yeah. do that now. But no, I've got I've got the early Madman stuff. I always loved that stuff. I loved his art style. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That was right when I was in the Kubert school. He started it, because I know in the Kubert school, I did some drawings of the character and stuff. And another friend of mine in, in the Kubert school, Mike Cavallero, really liked it as well. Mm -hmm. um, I also think the same kind of like with Paul Chadwick and Concrete. Because, mm -hmm. you know, he was doing that first. And yeah. I've got the original first two issues of that stuff. And yeah. I loved it. And then not that he ever did a team up with Concrete and something at Marvel or DC, but he did end up doing stuff for DC and I think it's the same thing. He did concrete for so long mm -hmm. that he just built up his rep and they came to him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And that is, I mean, that's, that's good advice. So, yeah. you know, it's one of those things that, Hey, if you could go tell yourself something, you know, the older you go tell your 20 something, you know, some advice that's, that's good advice. So, yeah. And it's not as if, you know, these, newer artists are able to like kick in the DC and Marvel doors now in this current situation. So <laughs> they better, oh, yeah. work, they better work on their own thing, you know? Well, and I think a lot more are, I mean, yeah. cause you see a lot of stuff out there from that's, you know, nice looking stuff from people, you know, obviously you've never heard of and it's, you know, they might've been toiling around for a few years uh, and finally they're getting something out there <clears throat> through crowdfunding or whatever. And you're just looking at it like, that's some really nice looking stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> you absolutely. Know? I mean, well, every, I was going to say everybody has the opportunity to be their own Stanley and Jack Kirby. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I was going to say with the climate, especially with what happened, the big announcement with, you know, capital, you know, being dropped by, you know, uh, just uh, Diamond, I mean, being dropped by uh, by Marvel. They were dropped by DC. Now, suddenly the entire industry is being turned upside down. Um, so they're going to have to go through Penguin, which, you know, it's all part of Random House. 
And that's all. They're they're designed for trade paperbacks and books. They're not designed for floppies and, you know, individual issues. So this changes everything. And then it looks like DC is going to start doing 599 comics is going to become their standard part. Um, they were announcing. And if that winds up being the case and they're already getting the rid of their high paid artists, I mean, all of this crowdfunding, because, you know, some of the guys that I know are like, man, 20, 25 books for, gee, for a comic book and stuff like that, where I can still go get my two ninety nine or three. That's all changed. It's literally changed in the last week. Suddenly, I've got a feeling that these crowdfunding things and you guys that create all of your own books, you're going to be able to make a much bigger impact because now we all have the same amount of money that we can spend as fans. But do I walk down to my comic shop and give them six bucks and they're not going to be able to offer any discounts? Or can I get a much better quality product and just go through either Kickstarter or Indiegogo? It, it, it's looking like the, the crowdfunding situation is going to be the dominant thing here pretty soon because the Marvels and the DCs think think they are important and are are needed right. you know and the fact of the matter is is that there's some bean counter up stairs above them that yep. are going we we don't we actually don't need you because the 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 thing that's needed because the larger fan group isn't us anymore it's the the normies who go to the movies those are yep. the big those are right. the bigger those are the bigger Spider-Man fans now. Those are the bigger Avengers fans now because yep. we can't we we can't you know puff our chests up and say hey I know all these comic books that doesn't mean anything because this thing gets seen by far more people and makes way more money. So what are we producing this paper stuff for? Well, you that's know? intellectual property. I mean, that's it, just it. If well, if, if that it, disappears. Hollywood can't write any of this crap. All they can do is take good works that you guys put out as creators and then they adapt it. That's basically all they do now. And they're well, going to run out. Well, I don't think they're going to run out of Spider-Man. They're going to always have that because they'll keep recycling it through Random House, through trade paperbacks and right. keeping their rights and all that kind of stuff. And But what Hollywood is going to look towards is what we have to get something absolutely new that goes left of Spider-Man, you know what I mean? Or, you know, in some other trajectory or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're, they're going to be looking to these people who are crowdfunding, who are coming up with original content, you know, and yeah. that's the thing. And they're going to be saying, okay, let's get this while it's a seedling, you know what I mean? There's people who are sold stuff to these, streaming services and their books aren't even finished oh right? yeah well i mean and it, this isn't the case for mark millar but you know netflix basically got his library yeah you know right right and and yeah you're right there's other things where it's like here's here's just a glimpse of what the book's going to be and it's like we'll take it yeah right you know? well look, look at berserker i mean it had yeah. keanu reeves behind it which is why but we when we got the first issue, it was fabulous. Matter of fact, in one of our, our first podcasts, we reviewed it. We're like, this is set up perfectly to be 
TV, Netflix, movie, something. It's designed perfectly for it. And it wasn't very long. What, the following week, Netflix said, yep, we're picking it up. It took that quick. I watched the first couple, and we're going to talk about it uh, probably on Wednesday. But Kirkman's Invincible. You know, we watched the first couple of the cartoon, and wow, again, another one that's not Marvel or DC. They're doing a great job with it. So, yeah, it isn't going to have to be Marvel or DC. I think all of the independent uh, creators have a great chance now putting something original out there and having it picked up by one of the many visual platforms that are out there. Absolutely. And Kirkman is like another perfect example of, you know, he took all of the existing superhero tropes that we know of from Marvel and DC and stuff. And he's saying, I'm going to do what you would never do with your characters. Yeah. Yeah. And well, it, you know, and it made it original. <laughs> my daughter's never read, you know, she's never read Invincible. And I said, look, we should watch this because she's into all this stuff. So she's like, okay, what's it about? And I said, just watch it. So we'll watch it. And the first, Dave, have you seen it or no? I saw the first three episodes, yes. Okay, so you're at where I am. So she's watching the first episode, and she goes, oh, that's Batman. Oh, that's the Flash. Oh, that's this. And I'm like, yeah, they're the Global Guardians. Of course. Yeah. But just keep – I told her, I said, just keep watching. She goes, well, just tell me. I said, I'm not going to spoil anything. Just keep watching. And the end of that first episode, she was like, yeah, and she exactly. kept bugging me. She's like, she's like, well, what are they going to finally tell us that Omni-Man is mind-controlled? And who's mm -hmm. mind-controlling him? And I said, I can't tell you, but that yeah. ain't it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's – he, Kirkman understood – you know, the things that we like as comic book superhero nerds, but he also understands soap opera. And soap opera is like, you know, most guys go, oh, I won't watch a soap opera. But I got sucked into I, I Exactly. And I got, I got sucked into watching uh, uh, General Hospital and One Life to Live and all that kind of stuff because of one thing that my wife was watching one time where this woman slapped another woman. I said, damn, why'd she slap that woman? And the moment I asked that question is the moment I got hooked. Because I, <laughs> I had to see all the other reasons and why this, it's a domino effect. So yeah. the show was like, I got you, bitch. You know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. <laughs> so he understands that soap opera aspect to put, he'll, he'll drag you along slowly, but he'll do something so violent That'll make you go, damn, why'd that happen? You know, because <laughs> my, oh, yeah. my wife was not watching, but she was in the room while it was playing, while I was watching. And then she heard something that was dramatic. And she goes, why did that happen? And then I'm like, I got to tell you all this back thing. I'm already into the third episode. So I got to tell you all this other stuff. Why don't you just watch it? You know, yeah. <laughs> but it that's that's what, you know, good writing does a lot of things that, you know, DC and Marvel and Image and all these types of, they've kind of lost that, you know. Yeah. Uh, I can't say all of it, but, you know, a right. good portion of it. But some of these guys who are crowdfunding, they're putting their blood, sweat, and tears into it, and they're just not crapping stuff out. There's crap in there, but there's a lot of, you know, 
you know, oh, Marvel wouldn't let me do this. Image wouldn't let me do this. I got to do it on my own and I'm going to prove right. them wrong, you know, and that's what right. all that is about. Plus, it allows for a, a greater expanse because so, you know, um, I Andy gave me one of the crowdfunding ones that I didn't had never heard of. And it was the Minx Cyberpunk. And I did a review on it on, on Friday. And it's like because I love cyberpunk stuff. I like fantasy. I like sci-fi. And, you know, there's so much I'm finding really good stuff out in the independent side of things that, you know, Marvel or DC, you know, like they just put out Aliens, which, you know, I'm, I'm giving it a shot. But I, I think independents would do better with it. But Marvel's putting it out. But, you know, independents, they can do so many of these different genres better than than what the big two can or big three for that matter. Absolutely. I think so. For sure. Yeah. You know, they, there's a certain risk that they don't want to take. That's why they go with the Marvels and, you know, cause they know they're, you know, but the independent people, they feel unencumbered they're, and they're like, they're, Oh, we get to do this. And they, they play with the toys with a vigor and, you know, let's all yeah. see how far we could bend this thing or, you know what I mean? They have a real reverence for it. And, you know, I don't yeah. know. They, they, they do. They play it safe. Now, like, they know, like, a guy like me, I get everything X-Men. I have been collecting X-Men for 43 years. And if they put it out X-Men, I'm going to buy it. You know, I bought 100% all these years. And then Children of the Atom came out, and I finally broke down and just read it. Oh, Yeah. We haven't talked about it. We have not talked about it. And, oh, my, I, I think this is going to be, like, going to have to be one of our Wednesday conversations. I, I I almost can't buy it. It is so bad. I almost can't buy it. And for me to not buy an X book, that has never happened. I bought everything. Bought Fallen Angels. I bought Exterminators. I bought even the crappy little four-issue shots. All the long ones, even the terrible ones. Man, this is so bad now, and it's gone so far left. With And this is even after all the rewrites, because it was held back for a year because of rewrites. Oh, and really? even, it, yes, and that's why it was supposed to have been released a year ago. And then, you know, with when the New Warriors with Safe Space and Snowflake were, were announced, and then they announced this right afterwards, I'm like, oh, my God, it can't be this bad. <laughs> Dude, this after the rewrites, I read it and I, I can't take it. I, I, I'm almost this close to not doing an X Men book, and therefore, once that domino tips, oh yeah, am I going to start giving up other X books? So I'm one of the diehards. Oh, Dave, when you're losing Dave, when he says diehards, <clears throat> he has every issue of X Men from 1963 number one to current day. Damn. So it's not just, and like you said, all the miniseries, all the, you know, all the X factors, all the X force, all the, you know, everything, everything. Wow. Yeah. Did you love the movies too? Or just buy them? Yeah. Okay. So the original movies. So again, <laughs> when they first came out, think about it. This is right, right, right before Spider-Man. Yes. There weren't any superhero teams out. There were no Avengers. For what it was, it was really good. 
second one was really good. And then when X3 came out and Brett Ratner did it, I mean, he just shit all over that bed. And then they just tried to remake it again with the same writer and he shit on it twice. Literally, here's another scoop of diarrhea. And it was awful. Um, so the movies were hit and miss. Same thing with Wolverines. They were hit and miss. And then Logan comes out and it's a masterpiece. Loved yeah. it. Absolutely loved it. So, you know, it's just like with anything. There's good and there's bad. But as a fan, you absorb it all and you take it all in. Sure, sure. Wow. <clears throat> you are a true X fan. Yes. I am. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Love Wolverine. My favorite, if you can't tell, it's Jean Grey. It's uh -huh. Dark Phoenix. Okay. Probably hard to hard to see. No, I I can see the, the quarter scale exclusive uh, sideshow. Um, and then I always have a lot of my artist friends. So that one above is actually a painting. John Harrison did it. He's a graffiti artist. And I had told him, I says, I'm getting this statue. Paint me whatever you want. Just use your imagination. You know that I'm a traditionalist and I love it. He did an absolutely fabulous job with it. So, I mean, that is, I have been collecting that since I was a little kid. And then I got, um, when I finally, because my wife's like, you ain't never getting an X-Men number one. She goes, you can't throw a car in. And I'm like, I, I know, it's just too expensive. Well, finally, I had gotten five and then four and then three and then two. So mm -hmm. I was just down to one. Uh -huh. So, And then all the dealers come up because I do all the conventions. You know, and they're always holding it up. I got an X-Men number one. No, I don't have 10 grand. No, I don't have 12 grand. Finally, my wife comes up one day and she goes, just do it. And I went, what? What? She goes, go spend what you need to just be realistic and do it. So I shocked her and I went out and bought a, an, uh, at that time, a 9.0 slabbed one. <laughs> wow. Wow. And she came home and she was so mad. She goes, I told you to buy a comic book, not an automobile. And I said, <laughs> I know. But then I took it immediately down to Florida and Orlando. And I got a private signing with um, uh, Stan Lee because that's who I wanted the book on. So I knew it wasn't going to come back a 9.0 because they have to crack it. I was shaking at the booth. Yeah. They, they said, you crack open your own book. And I'm sitting there shaking. I'm like, I can't do it. I, I just yeah. spent all this money on the book. And uh, the guy next to me goes, I'll crack it for you. And he goes, you cracked my Hulk 181 that I'm doing it for. And we did. We cracked each other's books. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and then I came, you know what? And it was fantastic. And then when the guys were doing it, you know, they, they handstand the books and they explain it. And they walked up and they're like, so Stan, you got to know what this X-Men number one is. And he gave him my story and everything like that. And he's like, what? I mean, he just got this book now. And he goes, oh, give me a new Sharpie. This is going to be a Excelsior. He goes, this is going to be my best signature of the convention. They gave him a brand new Sharpie. And it is. I had five books signed. The other four are in silver and it's thick markers. And it's like, yeah, it's Stan. This one, he did it with a brand new marker. Slap, came back in 8.5. That sucker's getting buried with me in the grave. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is just crazy. Yeah. Yep. That's, so that's cool. it. 
I completed it after all these years of collecting and slowly working my way backwards. That was that's that's just what I do. And that's my that's why for me to say that I would stop collecting an X book, I mean literally you're piercing my heart with an arrow. Woo. <laughs> hey, um do you know you know Kevin Grievous, right? Yeah. He just he just wrote me and he just wanted to let me know because he's listening. He says he has a character named the Spook too. <laughs> <laughs> Is it really? Yes. <laughs> well, so he's writing Bass Reeves, right? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So how did Bass Reeves come about? Because I know it's with um, with Mitch and everything, his his company. But yeah, like how did that whole thing come together? Um, <clears throat> it was kind of weird because me, Kevin, and I were talking about Bass Reeves separately because he wanted to do a Bass Reeves and I wanted to do one. And yeah. his was his was vastly different from mine. Um, and I was almost even thinking of doing one where it was like a space version of, like it's a fantasy version of Bass Reeves, right? right? Like, and, um, but just to tell a story in some kind of weird way. And then I said, oh, no, it would be cool to do like a POV version of Bass Reeves. So you barely even see him. You just know all of his actions that he's doing, right? Yeah. And so, and Kevin had his version. I can't remember what it was, but it was, it was pretty cool. But we kept on talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do yours if you write mine. Or, or we were trying to figure out something. And then that gets pushed away and I'm doing some Marvel work and he's doing some animation writing or something happens, right? To where we're not doing it. And then all of a sudden, Mitch calls me out of the blue and asks if I, you know, wanted to do something for his company. And I was just like, sure, sure, man, you know, uh, what do you pay? You know, <laughs> you know. Of course, that's, that's the next question. Of course. And so, if the if the, if the coin ain't right, then I ain't doing a damn thing. So, right. Yeah, I mean that's, uh, hey, that's um, the way it works. But the coin was right, and um, he had all these different ideas, and uh, the moment he said, because I was saying no to everything, like. It was Nora Saga and, you know, yeah. you know the other books that he had. And I was just, nope, nope, nope. As soon as he said Bass Reeves, because I said, that's the, that's the one. I'll I'll do that, you know, because, <laughs> and then I told him that, you know, I, I've been thinking about doing a Bass Reeves myself, you know. And he said, well, why don't you, you know, do it for me instead? And I was just like, all right. And if I was going to do it for myself, I was virtually doing it for no pay. And I'd be doing it for crowdfunding, hoping, you know, it gets funded, you know. Right. But Mitch already was like rubbing those hundreds underneath my nose. And I was just like, you know, all right, you know. <laughs> 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 and uh, so, no, it, I mean, I've known Mitch and Elizabeth for a little bit and they're sweet couple and I, I was just like, oh, these are some cool people. They seem like they would, yeah. you know, 
treat me right and stuff. And the fact that they wanted to do Bass Reeves, I was like, oh, okay. You know, you guys are cool, real cool, you know? And uh, I think they, at first, were going to have a another writer in mind. And I was like, ah, oh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> um, I have some ideas and I want uh, Kevin, Kevin Greaves. Sure. And they were just like, oh, that'd be great. You know, so it worked out. So I called Kevin and said, hey, you know, we got to do this. Here's the opportunity. You know, we we're talking all this stuff. This is it right now. You know, these people want to pay. And he said, I can't even do Kevin's voice. I was going to attempt it, but <laughs> but he was like, uh, all right, black man, let's do this. You know, so. <laughs> and so it, it was on and popping from there. And uh, here we are today. It's uh, it's cool, man. I tell you, one of the things I liked, liked is just the the bio about him in the back of the first issue. Mm-hmm. You know, because I like historical stuff like that. So just reading up on this guy, I'm like, man, this dude was just <laughs> awesome. You Absolutely. know, um, and then from the art side of it, you know, what I guess what because you made a decision to go what I see is a different style than I think you're known for. Absolutely. And it looks so cool. You know, so. Thank you. I mean, that's like for me to switch gears like that. It Once I get rolling, it's easy. But at first it's work. And I mean, did you find that when you when you mentally shifted those gears to go, I'm going to try this this type of style? and do a bunch of like preparatory stuff first that like basically people haven't seen so you can nail it down? Uh, yeah, I mean, and it'll be stuff that people will probably never see. Cause right. when, I'm go- when I'm going through that, it's like, I probably got rid of like half of a, a rainforest, <laughs> you know, throwing <laughs> stuff away, trying to figure it out because sure. it's, I, you already have, Mitch, who draws the way he does, and right. then you have Butch, Butch Geis, and right. then you have Kelsey, who's yep. amazing too. Yep. They're already c- kind of going in a certain direction, and I said I have to go the opposite. It's almost like where Jackie Chan was talking about, you know, competing with Bruce Lee or the memory of Bruce Lee when he was coming up. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was saying, you said, you can't compete with that person. You have to do something so opposite. So when he would, when Bruce Lee would kick high, he would kick low. And when sure. Bruce Lee would hit somebody, he would put on a cool face. But when Jackie would hit somebody, he would hit him and he'd go, ah, you know, and be funny about it. So I was saying, what have we seen with Westerns? Every time we see it, it's always very, very realistic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's yep. always oh, yeah. a very muted color palette. It's very sapia tone, like as if people lived in sapia tone land, which right. was which wasn't the case because they were actually very colorful because they liked wearing bright clothes because it to them it was almost like a status thing, you know, sure. where because they would get all of this material from the Orient 
you know, and they would be wearing flashy bright blue and red and yellows and greens and purples, you know, all the time. And I said, well, if that's the case, I want to have my characters like that, but I want the environment to feel like there's life, there's color, there's, you know, and almost in a weird way, in my mind, since it's it's like 1870, mm -hmm. I, I wanted it to feel almost like our 1970s. So it's, it has kind of a funky vibe to it. So if you look at some of the figures, it's, it's kind of funky, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, Bass Reeves has, you know, you know, the hat and the and the flared out almost bell bottom type thing. Yep. He's almost like Shaft on, you know, in the old West, you know. <laughs> and um, oh, I never saw that, but you're I I, I you know, I never really thought of that, but you know, because I'm looking <laughs> at some stuff on my screen. So I've got yeah. the actual comic back there. But um man, that's a great point. That's really yeah. really a great point about that shaft type of look, because the way you did his <laughs> His cowboy hat with the huge brim and everything. Yeah. Um, well, he has a. I mean, you know this from doing design stuff. You know, you, you work character design stuff off a of silhouette. He's got a really good silhouette. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you really nailed. Uh, I think you really nailed his face too. And you know, he oh. had in real life. Looking at his, his photos of him, he definitely had a really distinct mustache. Which is yeah. good. Is the last yeah. thing you'd want is to look at this guy or look at somebody that you're going to do a book on and be like, "Wow, that guy's pretty generic." You know what I mean? For sure. But this dude, sure. right out of the gate, it's that mustache, and you're yeah. like, "Holy crap! I've already got something to play with." Because you yeah. don't see mustaches like that today. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, and the other aspects I wanted to throw in there because I'm still. A lover of superheroes. I love superheroes. I love action adventurers and stuff like that. And yeah. I wanted to add a little bit of that visually to Bass with a little bit of the shadow and a little bit of Batman, uh, yeah. you know, has those aspects on there. Um, like even that first cover, I was trying to evoke, you know, like the Bruce Tim. Batman, where he's standing on the building and the lightning strikes behind him and stuff. So oh, yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to evoke that you know Batman animated type feel. Yeah. But I'm also doing things visually th that makes you think, you know, with with that brim of his hat, it's always casting a shadow across his eyes, so it looks like a mask. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm I, I'm 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 getting to play around with him being you know. A whole other person when he puts on that outfit, you know what right. I mean. He becomes the lawman, like the one that everybody fears, you know. So, oh, yeah. uh, when when I was trying to develop this style, I started looking, you know, because I was always a huge Jamie Hewlett fan, the guy who did Gorillas and Tank Girl and all that kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I wanted to move away from the the formulaic things that I would do if I was doing a Marvel or DC book, you know, with figure work. And then I, I implemented some of the, the, the more uh, pushed figure work and stuff like that in proportions. And um, I, I was looking also a lot at Robert Valley. Robert Valley is a, a, a 
uh, animator, designer. He worked on uh, Tron Uprising, which is a really yeah. great animated show for Disney and stuff. Probably my favorite one in the past, like 20 years. Yeah. Sure. Um, if, if you want to have like, uh, uh, you know, like the closest thing to Kirby being animated, look at, you know, Tron Uprising. Sure. And um, so I, I implemented some of his, you know, understanding of figure work and tried, you know, still trying to keep my own personal integrity with it. And, right. and even some of the stuff that you're showing right now, like with the hard nose and stuff like that, I want, I wanted him to look like he was etched, you know, carved out of wood. You yeah. know what I mean? With the oh, yeah. big square flat nose and jaw and all this kind of stuff and the chin that could, you know, break granite, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, so, just look at the, look at him in real life. I mean, he's so stoic in that picture, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And it's hard to believe that, I mean, he, you know, he lived from 1838 to 1910. So this is obviously in the 1800s when this picture was taken. Mm -hmm. And you know, he just looks like a badass. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's probably two or three other pictures of him out there. Um, but it's almost, you know, he's posing the exact same way. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so it's, I, his story is really cool, mm -hmm. you know, for what he accomplished and stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's some people in uh, uh, that, have debates about whether he was the the inspiration for the Lone Ranger or not. And, um, oh yeah, I almost think it's almost impossible not to see the 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 influence that Bass had on that character. The fact that you know he had an Indian sidekick, Bass rode a white horse. You know he used to give silver trinkets out to kids. You know, he used to disguise himself and go and capture bandits and all this kind of stuff. Sounds like yeah. the Lone Ranger to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. So it's it's six issues. I know that. What mm -hmm. um it's three out now? Yes, yes. It is. Okay, cool. Because Bass yeah. was one of the comics that went through Walmart, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I was curious, how did that come about? How you guys wound up getting hooked up with uh, with Walmart? I remember Andy and I taking a road trip trying to find a Walmart that had them. <laughs> oh we yeah, did. we went through. I you know I really wanted to find one that had the whole uh, cardboard rack that uh, Mitt showed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you wanted, and you wanted, I was able to find to one not here rack. in our town, but I think we were in South Carolina and I found it. Mm -hmm. But I was excited. You know, I went out and Dennis, like Dennis said, we went out and um, I got the number one outings of everything. And, you know, the stuff's cool. So. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, as far as that whole deal with Walmart, that that's whole Mitch and Elizabeth stuff. I'm just an artist that has my head down and draws. So <laughs> I don't I know how they. Gotcha. I don't know how they got that deal, and I'm, you know, I'm. Well, the I'm only thing he crowdfunded, the, hmm? the only thing that he crowdfunded, that if I remember right, was his Red Rooster, right? He didn't crowdfund any of this other stuff, did he? Uh, I think he did. 
but oh, did he? It, it, okay. I don't know. But it was but it was after Red Rooster. It was a little small what? thing just to say, hey, you know, here's this uh, uh, bonus something. I think I believe, and yeah, um, yeah. yeah how they got that. Uh, uh, Walmart thing, it's awesome, a miracle. I don't, I, I wouldn't know how to go about getting it. <laughs> I, no, so, dude, I would it have was no cool. idea. Yeah, I hear they're so picky. Yeah. Indy said his was in the electronics department. That's actually where we found it too. It was docked by the electronics, where over where the magazines were, and then it was stuck in over there. So I was like, we found it, but yeah, it's where ours was too, and I think. I think it was when we were at a convention in, in uh, was it Charleston? It might have been. Yeah, it might have been might've Charleston. Been. Yeah, they weren't to organize this first tranche out, and hopefully they'll, you know, just keep them near the book section or something like that. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I know he has some new displays, and I think he has – a new system to where they won't be putting stickers on the books this go around. Oh yeah. I pulled those stickers. right off. Yeah. Mine didn't come off. <laughs> oh. See, they're they're they they're they're fixing that and stuff. And also if you got them uh directly through the online I don't think there was a sticker on them. So <clears throat> but, but that's that that was an unfortunate uh unforced error on walmart's part yeah i gotcha they don't know they don't know the collectors yeah that's exactly so, they didn't they didn't know any better exactly so what else you had what else you've been working on or is it just bass reeves uh commissions and yeah. um mentally trying to develop this uh other a creator own project that I'm going to be doing and I'm trying to fine tune it. I, I don't want to talk too much about it right oh, now, but when, when, when it's all ready, you know, I'll come back if you guys will have me. Oh, you know it. Oh, absolutely. You know it. Yeah. Well, and, Hey, and, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up, but okay. uh, we really appreciate your time and thanks for having know, me. The, the people watching and stuff. Like I said, you know, uh, one of the things that sticks out in my mind that you did, and I hate it when people do this to me because it, it's going to be something that's back in the day as well, but I still enjoy it, was those, I think it was a three-issue Supreme miniseries. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> you also did a backup for Larson with Mighty Man too, right? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Oh, I Mighty Man. Oh, that I didn't know. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was that was that was fun. Um, I was supposed to do a Savage Dragon, but I backed out of that one. Uh, first, Adam Hughes was doing it. Then it came to me, and then it went to, I think, Rick Mays or some someone like that. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I do remember reading about. I remember that back in the day. I think he talked about it in like a letters column. I know the I know the miniseries you're talking about. Yeah, Rick Mays did it. But yeah. I think he might have explained it. Either that or he just told me. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's been forever. Because I did, you know, Eric was the one that got me in at Image with doing Vanguard for him and then Deadly Duo. And then okay. Mars Attacks the Image Universe, which had everybody. Mm -hmm. So. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, good times. Yeah, man. All right, everybody. Well, we will be back on Wednesday. Uh, we'll have to talk about Shorter of the Atom because now I'm very curious because uh, I haven't talked to Dennis since he read it. I didn't yeah, buy it. it. It'll be unfiltered, so um, uh, don't bring your children. <laughs> All right. Now I'm really looking forward to it. Well, we're going to be talking about Invincible as well, and that's not exactly for under 18 either. When my daughter saw, because uh, she didn't know, like I knew Invincible going into it. Oh, that's nice. David, your art looks fantastic. Nice body of work. It's true. Thank you, kind sir. Thank you. Uh, thank you, North Free, for joining us again. Um, no, I knew what to expect from Invincible, and Courtney kind of did because I've got the two Invincible action figures. You know what I'm talking about, Dave? Have you seen these? No, I haven't. All right, so these came out a few years ago, and there's two versions of Invincible. I don't know where my, we'll call it clean one is, because this is one. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> After the fight. Oh, my god. Because if, you know, if, you, if you read Invincible, yeah. towards the end, every fight he got into, he was just drenched in blood. Yeah. And then there's the same version, same pose, except he's totally clean. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so I knew when I knew what we were getting into with Invincible, but I knew Courtney didn't. So when Omni Man goes to uh, the Guardian's place, he takes the Flash guy like this. I'm like, yeah. oh, I know it's coming. Yeah, and yeah. I, yeah. I did happened, not. My daughter was like, "What the hell?" And I just, "What is this?" And I'm like, "It's awesome." I think I, uh, I'm saying I, I remember picking up the first issue of it when it came out and I read it and I was like, ah, that's cute. I like it. Da 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 da. But it was nothing that grabbed me where it said you need to put this on your pull list. So I never did. Man, had I known what it was about after I saw the end of the first episode, now I want to go back and read the whole thing. I'm kicking myself because that was so not what I was expecting. So anyway, yeah. I've got some more reading to do, it looks like. Yeah, the yes, animation is not as good as the comic, though. So yeah, uh, Ryan, Ryan Ryan Otley really put his foot in it. It was really good. So check out the comic. Oh my god, Ryan's just uh you know, I liked it. I like, you know, what Corey Walker was doing. Because I mean he did the yeah, first five issues too. or so, four four or five mm -hmm. issues. Yeah. And you know, I was sad to see him go, but then, you know, this new Ryan kid steps in. It's like, oh, this is nice stuff. He's trying to continue the style. But eventually, he just grew right into his own. I mean, for over 100 issues, if I was, you know, to tip my hat to two guys, it would be Larson, Eric Larson, and Ryan because of their enormous runs. You know, Bagley as well for Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, but with Larson, especially with it being his own deal and, um, and, you know, basically invincible is Ryan's. And yep. that is just, that's honestly one of the things that lit the fire under me to go, you know what? I'm not getting any younger. I want to get first man out there again. You know, first man, number one came out back in 1997. It said to be continued. And, it, <laughs> you know, I try not to beat myself up over it, but it's been 24 years. And finally, with the Indiegogo, I finished it. So now I can move on to the second story of it. And that's just oh. what I want to do. You know, if if I only get four of them out, at least I can say I'm finally doing it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, Well, I'm rooting you on. Do it. 
I appreciate it, Dave. So everybody join us on Wednesday and we will see you guys then. Until then, bye guys. Bye-bye everyone.